Hello and welcome to a, another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast. Doing this one late night, I went out to watch the Wizards game. Um, At a bar. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's where people go to watch happens. games. You know, it happens. Right, you can't, you can't watch every game on your couch or in the arena since they were on the road. Right. I went out. That is uh, Kyle Weedye from truthaboutit.net talking. Uh, let me see if I get this right now. You can find him on Twitter at truth underscore about underscore it. Totally right. Figured I better get that out of the way while I can. There's like an at sign, I think, before it. Oh, see, I couldn't even oh, get it completely right. All right, anyways, that's ha- that's where you find him. You find the podcast at Locked on Wizards. Find me at Ben Standick. Find all the podcasts on iTunes or anywhere else you do your podcasting. And you find the Wizards in a ridiculous hot streak right now. They just can't lose break up the wizards on a roll i i didn't look this up yet but when's the last time what are they four games over 500 four games over 500 which i i I would joke the other night that's like 28 games over 500 in dog years (laughs) yeah so the wizards are winning i mean even in the years when they were when they made the playoffs with whitman and got to the second round of the play uh, the playoffs they weren't often over above 500 the the first year when, when they started off ridiculously hot they were obviously but for the most part it feels like they've always been sort of struggling around the 500 mark but here they go uh they had this it looked like they were going to get this game done fairly easily but it's the nba the knicks were at home they came back got they took a lead but john wall uh big plays down the stretch right otto porter another ridiculous game from three and the wizards win once again they win again and the best part about our experience i think and we discussed this is that we were at a bar walters in, in dc and it, it was trivia night <laughs> and i don't i don't know if the volume would have been on anyway but it, it took a little bit of teeth pulling just to get the wizards game on i think maryland was on and that's cool and then like espn well, i think the caps were on too the caps were on too okay so we had to change local stuff to whatever but it was trivia night. We didn't have any sound, and so we did not have to listen to Reggie Miller. Plus. And, yeah, I think that's fine. But it was it was a good game. This team is figuring out ways to win. Yeah, like, it is, they're the Knicks. They're struggling. But Carmelo had that 25-point second quarter, and he's a good player. The Knicks have some good players. The Wizards found a way to win. Um, and it was satisfying just because of the play you mentioned. John Wall just snatching this rebound out of the air going the length of the court behind the back and just scoring this clutch layup after he had taken some very, like, it felt old John Wall shots. Like, he taking, like, using up the shot clock, dribble, 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 you miss the mid-range, and that did not look good, but he came through in the clutch. Well, so this was going to be number two on the agenda item, but let's just skip there since you you went there. I mean, look, obviously, by and large... Uh, another impressive game by Wall. And, you know, the Wizards as a whole, I I said this while we were watching it, whatever they are, we'll we'll see where they end up. Whatever they are, they are fun to watch right now. And that's not something you could say even in years when they were good. You know, they're not this grinded out, you know, in suffer, you know, just just, it it drags along kind of team. They are up-tempo, running, making plays, and that is they are channeling their inner John Wall, all of them. He's going up-tempo. Brooks said like a month or so ago now, we decided we're going to go, we have this guy, let's go that way. They're doing that, and for the most part, it's worked. And we were at a bar with some, a couple of your friends, and one guy who clearly pays attention to the NBA, but 
doesn't watch the Wizards to maybe the degree that we do. Yeah. And he, he made a comment, this is earlier in the game, like, but has Wall figured it out? Has he figured out sort of how to change speeds, when to go fast, when to, you know, re- reel it in and so on? And I'm like, you know what? Over the last month or so, he really has. Uh, less ISO plays, um, you know, late in games or at the end of quarters. He, he, he's, not, he doesn't, he's not forcing it as much in bad situations. And then we get to the fourth quarter, and, like, I don't know exactly how many possessions it was, but, like, there were a few times where you're like, oh, man, to dribble, 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 take a yeah. shot at the end of the shot clock, and that sort of allowed the Knicks to come back. But, fortunately, he did make that play there. So, I think it's almost like, for me, because he reverted, reminded me of just how good he's actually been in not right. doing yeah. that over yeah. the last month. No, you're you're right. And I think also a good point you made when we were watching the game is that – this team is fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, they're under a different coach, and you can see a difference. I'm not going to say, like, having Wall. Wall has been fun to watch his whole career. Beal has been pretty fun to watch. But the point you made is, like, Beal has now started more games this season than he has the previous season. And that's having Wall and Beal both around to be fun to watch. Yeah, they, there have been bad times. There's a bad start when both players look like they just didn't have it. Other you know, the bench was there, an issue too, but now things are coming together. Um, granted, it's not the perfect way. You, you sort of give up a, you know, you, you give up a lead against Memphis and you almost blow it in the end. You give up sort of a lead against New York and things happen and it, and it gets close, but they're figuring out a way to win and ultimately that's how you remember who, you know, what's going on, who has won or lost game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, and the, the thing with Beal and Wall it is just, you know, knock on wood, I'll do it right here. It is just having them together. I mean, la- the beginning of last year, Beal, the first few games of the year, looked like, okay, it's the all-star year for Bradley Beal. And then he gets hurt, and then it was, you know, minutes watch all year. And, oh, boy, is he going to get hurt again? And he took that away. And I know some people don't like tape- using injuries as an excuse. I don't know how you can't, in this case, when you have – this is the team. These two guards, everything else revolves around them, and then they were not – 100% yeah. together. And then John Wall, who needs to get two knee surgeries at the end of the year, clearly was, you know, playing on, uh, you know, hurt legs most of the time. Right. So you put that all together and you can see what, what where the difference is just from that, from then to now. But another big difference is... Your boy, who is number one on your list. And sorry, <laughs> we started talking about John Wall first. Yeah, and I know injuries are not a an excuse, but they could be a reason, but your boy... I feel like I can't tell if everybody's like mocking me with my boy stuff or. or no, or... you've you covered Otto Porter at Georgetown. You have sort of been you've had a different understanding of him all along the way, and yeah, I've criticized Otto. I I would say that I was never one to call him a bust, but like coming through, he was he was not the most ready player in that draft. It was a bad draft. He's your boy. You you you've covered him. That's it's not a bad thing that someone is your boy. Auto, auto, man, auto. Hey, I, you know, I always joke if I if I could have if if all the chips I put on the auto stock were real, I wouldn't be worried about my job situation <laughs> right now. Uh, you know, the beginning of the game, you, you mentioned that we needed. It took a minute for them to put the TV on for us. So by the time we got it on, the game was a few minutes in, and I looked at the box score while we were waiting, and all the other wizards had scored except for Auto. I'm like, here we go. He gets you know, big night the night before with all these three pointers. And this will be the night where somehow he's not getting the ball enough. And for the most part, that was true until the, like, I think late second quarter, then truly in the third quarter, 
blew up. And once again, two games in a row, six three-pointers. I think I saw on Twitter, somebody said that according to Elias, he's the first wizard, bullet, whatever, to have six threes in back-to-back games. He's now 12 for, what, 18 in two games. He's, he's, yeah. he's still second in the NBA in three-point percentage, but he's a lot closer to first now than he was last night. And it really is just, uh, you know, look, he's not going to hit six threes a game. If he does, the max contract will be a will be easy to give him. Um, but it, it it is just a it is just to, to see what he can do or what this team can do when you have that other guy. When you you know, I guess the Knicks didn't get the scouting report either, as somebody joked about. You got to cover this guy, and he was just making shots again. But what are you going to do? You got yeah, Wall. If teams cover Auto, that's fine because Wall and Bo are going to take advantage of that. And not only those threes, but he had. I think after that last, the John Wall's last bad shot, Otto had a big rebound and he got actually fouled on the rebound and hit free throws. And then, you know, that last possession, the Wizards basically won by playing good defense. And there were times during the game, I, I think Markeith Morris did a good job against Carmelo. And there were other times where Otto was matched up against Carmelo. And we made a big deal out of it, I think, the last time the Wizards played New York. And Otto did a good job against Carmelo, and in the past, like, that hasn't been so much case. And I don't know, like, I, I feel like Carmelo did Jason Smith bad a lot tonight. <laughs> like, every time I turn around, like, Jason Smith, poor, like, poor guy, just caught up on a switch, whatever. But Otto had that some good possessions against him later in the game, and so it wasn't just, like, this guy's hitting three-pointers, but it was the fact that he did those other things that we we knew all along that Otto could do. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to sort of be in the right spot. But the three-pointers is is what is a difference maker. No, absolutely. I mean, he's yeah, he's he's always done the subtle stuff, the type of stuff that if you just drop in once in a blue moon to watch them play, you won't notice it. You have to watch game in, game out on some level to see the picks, the moving off the ball. Just that he's even when the games when they're bad they're good. He's, Sirens in the background for Auto, by the way. Yeah, hey, alert! Give, give it, give it up for Auto. Hopefully, it's that, and not somebody else in this town right now. Um, so yeah, no, look, I mean, so you know, we'll we'll, we'll see where this goes. Um, one other thing, just to note, I guess, and you and I joked about this on Twitter, but I'm, I'm, we talked about this on the podcast yesterday with Todd Dybus. I think this is like what four games in a row now with Sadoransky playing. That for the most part, Brooks has gone with the same nine guys in the same general rotation. I didn't yeah. look at it too closely tonight in terms of when they came in and out, but in essence, it seems on some base level he's sticking with something. And I 100% believe if if they're not going to make a move, their only hope to not have a quote unquote bad bench in the postseason is for Ubre and Sadoransky, the two guys with the most potential likely to figure out what they're doing. And they've got yeah. 40 games left. To you know, more or less for, to do that. Especially those guys going forward, and I know I gave you some shit about it on Twitter. <laughs> and I think my my point about that is actually like I'm more impressed with Scott Brooks's flexibility. And yeah, he's going to give someone a legit chance. He's not going to give anyone a quick hook. But if some guy like if someone is in a rut, he might have them, you know, go to the bench for a while and, and have someone else play. Like we've seen Sheldon McClellan play. We've seen. You know, thank God, sort of Marcus Thornton on the bench for the past several games. But he is willing to change things up, but in what seems to be, at least from like a very outside perspective, a very diplomatic way. And that's something I've appreciated more about what Scott Brooks has brought to the team. 
But you know what I think also is that you can tell he was searching. He admitted he was searching. He's like, okay, I don't know yeah. these guys. I got to figure it out. But he didn't play every game. I didn't feel like it was live or die. He played like, okay, you could tell he was like, okay, I want to get this guy in the game today. I want to try this look. I get it that for the last few games, this lineup worked, but I want to try this lineup. Whereas Whitman, it always felt like, and I sort of understand it. It felt like Whitman was playing for his job the whole time he was here. But that if that's how he treated every game, every half, every quarter, every possession. If so, you know, he needed to win that moment. And it's an admirable trade to a degree. But in terms of like a course of a basketball season, especially with younger players, you have to allow for yeah. learning curve. And he almost didn't. And I think Brooks has done that. It's worked out. There will definitely be points where McClellan and Thornton and Andrew Nicholson even and whomever gets back in there. And, of course, whenever Mahimi comes back next month or whatever, that's going to shake things up too, and that'll be interesting to see how that works. But for right now, you know, Jason Smith's been definitely that energy guy. I mean, Oubre had a nice dunk today. He can, yeah. you know, he, he... Hit some threes, yeah. You know, he it's the good and the bad with him at constantly. Uh, you know, I, I don't... He played good defense late as well. Like, they had him in there. Well, I didn't even know what was Sadoransky's uh, final numbers. I know I know Burke only played like eight minutes, um, so, so not a ton... Out of him, what did uh, Mr. Sadoransky of the Tomas nature was fourteen twenty two. He had two three points, two steals, 22. one turnover. So you know, I, look, I mean, all they're asking for the bench for the base level is at least keep things even. I mean, obviously you want them to yeah. build on whatever happens, but you know, I think he did a good job. But, but well, there's that time that like pretty much Brandon Jennings and Sadoransky went against each other or on several possessions, and Sadar- like Jennings thought he was just gonna like. Just take him to the rack and like make all these moves. And Sadoransky held his ground for the most part. So um, again, chalk one up for his his experience in general. And he also hit his only three. I mean, that was yeah. the thing. His his shot confidence was gone for a month or so. It looks the last couple of games like he maybe have found himself. Speaking of the lineup, let's get to another point here. I, I you know because we were watching it out with no sound. Right. It was hard to, you know, you, you don't quite, maybe you're missing something. Somebody had foul trouble. There was a report about somebody being hurt, whatever it was. And at some point, like, they start bringing the starters back in the fourth quarter, except Jason Smith is still on the court, no Gortat. And then Jason Smith got burned by Carmelo one time. Brooks calls a timeout or something. They come back. Jason Smith is gone, but now it's Kelly Oubre. They didn't bring in Gortat, who I don't think ever came back in. And it was kind of weird on some level. Now, you look at the court and you see, well, they've got, the Knicks are playing Porzingis at the five with Mello at the four, and I'm right. like, all right, so do you want maybe Gortat? He, he's viewing Gortat against the Unicorn. Not ideal. Porzingis can roam all over the court. He's very mobile. And then, um, you know, it, it, with that would mean Morris essentially is playing on, on Mello, which Mello's a tough matchup regardless. So I, tw- I, I, was meant to, so I tweeted out that point. Well, I guess... I guess Brooks doesn't really like the idea of Gortat against Porzingis. Martin Gortat noticed that and retweeted that. He he also he also tweeted he responded to a tweet about um, somebody saying that I guess Kenny Smith on the broadcast said that he could probably guard Gortat because he doesn't get the ball enough. And right. Gortat said, "Well, that's true." Um, in, interesting, just because it's Gortat and he you know he noticed a lot of stuff. He also had a double double and like. 30 minutes without even playing in the late. But what did you think about that in general? Was it how was it weird to you that Gortat was not on the court considering all he's done all year? Well, it's it's funny. You sort of remember times under the Randy Whitman area where Gortat was on the court and that, like, some of those, those even the playoff series where he wasn't on the court late in the fourth quarter. Um, 
I think the Knicks were running a lot of switches, trying. Yeah, they were targeting Jason Smith, switching with Morris. Um, yeah, like they they would target Gortat with that sort of Carmelo Porzingis the four five. Um, it was probably a tough call by Brooks, and he did go with Morris at the center a decent bit. I mean, I looked like the second most used used lineup was Morris, Beal, Ubre, Porter, and Wall. Um, granted, they were minus four in just over five and a half minutes, but um, I, you know, I don't. I think Gortat will be all right. Maybe Twitter is the way he vents. Yes, they do need to find him more sometimes, and maybe that hasn't happened in the past couple games, so Gortat kind of gets in his mood for, for a couple games. But, um, you know, he and Wall love each other. Wall will find him. They need to find him, and, uh, and Brooks needs to understand what he needs to do to make that happen. Now, tonight, I, I think it just got to a more defensive thing. Now, I don't want to argue whether uh, on a screen and roll and switches whether Jason Smith is better on – better than Gortat. I think if, if something happens with Carmelo, you would rather Jason Smith on Carmelo than Gortat. Um, and again, that's not an easy call, but I think it was a defensive move by, by Brooks tonight, just by matchup. Yeah, and I think you make the point about the switches. I mean, look, I think I think there's something to that because you said Jason Smith was getting switched on to Carmelo a lot. And I think it also says something about where Brooks thinks about Oubre. I mean, you know, that, that if you trust him enough to play in those late stretches... I mean, that's going to be the key when you get, you know, again, not to jump ahead to the playoffs, but when you get to the playoffs, rotations get down basically like eight guys. And, you know, for the Wizards, you could probably imagine one guy would be Mahimi. Maybe. If well, he gets in shape. Well, well, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll assume yes on some level. No one's mm-hmm. counting any uh, eggs or chickens before anything's hatched. <laughs> right. I mean, the guard would, you know, Sadoransky and or Burke. But then the wing player is going to be Ubre, and you're going to need him even with Otto and, and Beal playing a lot of minutes. You're going to need him to play minutes. Plus, you know they go with that with Otto at the four. So you know they need Ubre to be more consistent. And the fact that Brooks puts him in that spot, I think, is a good thing if nothing else for the long haul. You let the, let yeah. the kid be out there at the end of the game, and uh, yeah, hopefully, I, mean, I think we're Todd, even though he's always not always wanting to talk to us after games, and that's fine. Protect yourself, whatever, March. But you know, I think he seems like he's been in a pretty good mood all year, and they, they yeah. def- their chemistry, I think, has uh, legitimately uh, been there. And to your point about the playoffs, um, you know, even though we think of that as a grinded out thing, I think we're going to see more smaller lineups where you have your Ubre Auto Porter three four. At least that's the Wizards one. But other teams are going to do that more, perhaps in this year's playoffs, where it's it's just a, such a different component. So it's good that. I, I, it's another thing about Scott Brooks that he's willing to try these lineups where we haven't seen so much out of the Wizards. You know, it's interesting because I also cover the Redskins. So I get Jay Gruden all year, get Scott Brooks now. They actually kind of remind me of each other. Whatever the whatever they present to us, the media, the public, they always seem to be pretty calm. Whether things are going good, whether things are going bad, they seem to be pretty even keel. Again, not to keep pissing on Whitman, but, like, you know, if they if the Wizards had a bad game, you knew that you wanted to get in that press conference after the game because God knows what he might say about anything. He might be right, but he could, he was not going to hold back for the most part. And, you know, I think I think that was a problem for some guys. With Brooks, I think he's keeping it in check. I think that's just his general personality. He's, he's maintaining positive, to as, you know, even when they were 2-8 and eight and, th- you know, and so on. The bench was bad, and no matter what questions, we, I don't think we're a hard press core, but regardless, whatever questions we're asking are of some vein of, hey, you guys stink in this realm, what do you do? And he f- 
found a way to find the silver lining. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think that's been helpful over the course of a long season. I think that's yeah. a, it's almost important if necessary. And we're just that was game forty two tonight. Tonight, right? That is correct. So yeah. All right, so let me uh, call it there on this Wizards Knicks. Thank you to Mr. Weedai. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, as always, check us out on iTunes. And uh, until next time, see ya. Deal gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive, long shot. Dagger!